that in this series so far, we have been going through some practices that Christians have used down through history that have helped them get to know Jesus. And we've so far been going through silence and solitude, so hopefully you've been all spending some time in chill, peace. And today we move on to the next practice, which is prayer. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word prayer, whether an overwhelming sense of guilt whether a sense of uncertainty because you've never prayed, or whether prayer is a lifeline to you, I wonder what comes to your mind. But in a Comrades survey, the the survey organization last year in the UK, they discovered that still in our largely secular society, over half of UK adults admitted, and admitted was the word, admitted to praying. Over half of adults. And one in ten of us in the UK pray regularly. So prayer is still on the agenda. And over these next three weeks, we're going to be exploring that, helping us all develop and grow in our prayer life, whatever it looks like now. And this quote, if you like, forms a background to where we're going. Because for some of us, we've got wrong ideas of prayer. And for some of us, just need to be reminded about what prayer is really about. This quote uh, from Pastor Rich Villadas is quite helpful. Prayer is not something we master. Be free. But it is an act that forms us. A friendship we deepen. A practice that frees us. Prayer is not some magic lamp that if you rub it the right way, poof, all your dreams will come true. Prayer is more about our relationship with God. It forms us. And so today, as we've read this introductory week, we're looking at this this passage from Colossians. And the whole book of Colossians is all about what it looks like to live a life for God. Here's the beginning of Colossians chapter 1, where Paul and Timothy, the writers, say, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives, so that... You may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. If you want to live a life well, all that we're going to tell you is about that, says Paul. And so we get to this passage all about prayer. Prayer, therefore, is a key component of living life well. But prayer is a biggie, isn't it? I don't know if you heard the story about the ship in the middle of the storm. It's a joke, apparently. Uh, And the storm rages, and the captain realizes that the ship is sinking. So he calls out to the whole of the crew, anyone here know how to pray? And one man stepped forward. Aye, captain. They're always Scottish, aren't they? Aye, captain, I know how to pray. And so the captain shouts out, good, you pray, while the rest of us put on our life jackets because we've got one missing. Is prayer that lifeline that we try when we've run out of other options? (laughs) What is prayer and how do we pray? There may be some of us who've never prayed. There will be many of us who have prayed a bit. And there will be many of us who've prayed for years. But if we're honest, still don't really know how. How to pray. And this passage gives us four brief clues, I think, about how to pray that might help us today as we do our best to integrate it in our lives. Four points, and to my mind, points two and three are the most interesting. 
So let's jump in with point one. <laughs> point one, how do we pray? We pray with eyes set. Did you notice in the reading that was read to us, the opening word, devote yourselves to prayer. Devotion. If I was to ask, and I'm not asking, if I was to ask how many of us say we're devoted to prayer, I would guess it would be a brave person that would put their hands in the air. Because what does it mean? We can always be more devoted. There's always more time, more capacity. What does it mean to be devoted? Other versions of the Bible use the word diligently or steadfastly pray. Paul, elsewhere in the Bible, talks about pray continuously, on and on and on and on. What does it mean to devote yourselves to prayer? And how do you know if you are devoted? That you can say, tick, done it. Well, I think this, there's two dimensions to this word. The first word is the word continually, on and on. Prayer being the natural response to things, not the life jacket when everything else has failed. And in our tradition, we can be quite flexible about prayer. We pray when and if we want spontaneously, which is beautiful and great. And yet, perhaps we miss something that some of the more liturgical traditions where they have it roted in. Because there's a discipline to continually praying, reminding ourselves to do it. There's a degree of intentionality about it, and we'll get to some ways we might do that in a moment. But there's a second dimension to the word devotion, not just on and on. It's the meaning of the word is to persevere, to keep going, even when it's a real struggle even when your voice falters, even when you've run out of words, even when you've cried so much about something that you're empty and you've got nothing left to pray. I don't know if you heard the story about the young girl sitting on a wall, going through the letters of the alphabet out loud, and a priest walks past and says, what are you doing? I'm praying, says the girl. And astonished, the priest said, that's funny, but all you're doing is saying the alphabet. I know, said the little girl, but I don't know what to pray, and so I'm just giving God the letters. <laughs> there is a sense that there will be people in this room for whom they get that, that you've prayed long and hard, and still it seems silence. And there's something about being devoted to prayer that is praying even when you've got no words, even when you've reached the end, even when it aches so hard to even mutter a word, releases the tears. There are a few things to help us with that. Some of us have never begun praying at all. It's not part of our life in any way. There's a great little app that's free or this website that you can have a look at which just takes us through a way of praying every day for seven days. Give it a go. Try it. Try praying. It's a useful way to do it. Or for those of us who, who do pray a little bit, but we want to kind of become a little bit more continuous and a little bit more persevering even when we don't want to. Well, there's this app. I don't know if anyone's seen this app called PrayerMate. Again, a free app. Very helpful app because it gives you notifications that come up saying, do you want to pray? And you can set the time when it might do that. So we need phones to help us to pray. And there it comes, time to pray. And so whatever time that works for you, 
on the school run, just when you've dropped the kids off, boom, time to pray. Or when the lunch break has just begun at work. Or when you're between lectures. Or when you know you've got that five-minute window before a meeting. Maybe use this as a way to help us integrate this. And there are other resources in this booklet as well. So have your eyes set. That's what Paul says. How to pray with your eyes fixed. Focused like a runner. Let's go for it. That's the first aspect of prayer, how to pray. But there's a second aspect in Paul's words. Not just praying with your eyes set, with your eyes fixed, but pray with your eyes open. You know, the children, children when they pray, they kind of go like that, and you can see them looking through their fingers. I think that's a thoroughly biblical way to pray. Why? That's what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful. Pray with your eyes open, in other words. Now, that doesn't mean literally, oh, you can do, it's fine, that doesn't matter. But it means praying with your mind open, concentrating, looking around, as it were. And there's several dimensions to this watchfulness. Firstly, biblically, it means being watchful to the challenge around you. Many of us know what challenges are around us in our lives, and many of us feel them very acutely. But the other day, I was in Birmingham dropping Noah, our son, off at something. And as I was walking around the city, I had this overwhelming sense of sadness. And as I was looking around, just seeing all the adverts that are around, if you just have this energy drink, your body will look like this because your life's so imperfect now. If you just gamble using this app, you never know your dreams might come true and everything will be fantastic. If you just seek this particular thing, your life will be amazing because it's not the moment. So much emptiness that as I was walking around, I felt an overwhelming sadness. I think that's what it means to be watchful, to being aware of what's going around you in your family, in your workplace, in your street, in your city, so that you turn those to prayer saying, God, have mercy. I pray for that person walking past. Maybe this week you want to try that on your lunch break. Try it just at the beginning of your lunch break. So I'm going to sit for five minutes in the canteen or on a bench or wherever it is or at my desk. And just pray for the people walking past. Lord, I pray for them. Please meet them. Lord, I pray for them. Please speak to them. Whatever it might be. Being watchful to the challenge out there. That's the first aspect of being watchful. Keeping your eyes open to the challenge. You want God to break in. But there's a second dimension to it, being watchful not only to the challenge, but being watchful to what God is doing. Seeing the things in your family, in your workplace, in your life, where you know God is at work. Looking back to the things you've prayed for and seeing what God has done. Being watchful with your eyes open. And again, a great website on the World Prayer Center, which some of you will know, some people in Riverside are part of. There's some really helpful resources there to seeing what's going on in the city, what's going on in the nation, what's going on worldwide. To steer you, God, you're at work. Wow, thank you, Lord. God is at work being watchful. So watchful to the challenge, watchful to what God is doing. But there's a third dimension, biblically, and in this book of Colossians, in the context of what Paul's saying, and this is where it gets interesting. Being watchful in the book of Colossians is being watchful that you don't get the wrong idea about what it means to follow Jesus. 
Because these Christians in the city of Colossae had been distracted from the good news of Jesus and were basically being taught, if you have this experience, this angelic encounter, this level of spirituality, then you're right with God. But if not, your life is somehow deficient. And Paul reminds these Christians, be watchful that you don't get sucked into that sort of stuff. That Jesus is not enough. You've got to have this experience as well. And when you put that into the context of prayer, everything changes. Because there will be some people here that you've believed that if you just prayed in a certain way, magic will happen. And so therefore, when that doesn't happen, it must be your fault. Because you haven't prayed the right way. And so you seek the experience rather than God himself. And the burden is on you, as we'll see in a moment. Being watchful in prayer means it's not about you and the way you pray at all, as we'll see in a moment. There's a great quote from author Ronald Rollheiser. Let me read it to you. It's a great quote. Prayer, as one of its oldest definitions puts it, is lifting your mind and heart to God. That sounds simple, but it's hard to do. Why? Because we've got the wrong idea of what that means. We unconsciously nurse the idea that we can pray only when we're not distracted, not angry, not emotional, not sexually preoccupied. We think God's like a parent who wants to see us only on our best behavior. So we go into God's presence only when we've nothing to hide or when we think we're joy-filled or feel that we can give a proper attention to God in a reverent and loving way. Because we don't understand what prayer is. We treat God as an authority figure or a visiting dignitary, as someone to whom we don't tell the real truth. We don't tell God what's really going on in our lives. We tell God what we think God wants to hear. Every thought or feeling is a valid entry into prayer. What's important is that we pray what's inside of us and not what we think God would like to see inside of us. Friends, prayer is good news. Be watchful that you don't get sucked into thinking it's more about your performance. Any parent longs for their child to come to them. The same is true for us in prayer. So pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes set, determined. Pray with your eyes open. But there's a third dimension here. Pray with your eyes looking back. What does Paul say? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thankful. Pray, beginning with the words thank you. And there's a number of dimensions to where that thankfulness can look as we look back. Firstly, thankful for how God has answered prayer. A few years ago, um, when we were moving house. We were sorting through some papers, as you do, and I found a bit of paper that I'd written when I was at Bible college. And this bit of paper was an A4 sheet, which basically was a prayer slash dream. Not a dream, as in I wrote it, it was like a, my dreams for my life type thing. 
And I'd, I'd basically left it, put it in a box, and had completely forgotten about it. Years had gone by. And as we were moving house, I found this sheet again, slightly embarrassed about what I'd written. And yet, as I was reading it through, tears came to my eyes because I realized every single thing on that sheet had happened. Now, it wasn't kind of, you know, I want a Ferrari <laughs> type list. It was more about, God, this is what I want to see you do in my life. Change me. And it was amazing, that opportunity to look back and say, Lord, thank you that you have been at work, even though I've forgotten it. And sometimes we need other people to show us the stuff that God has done in our lives so that we can say thank you. Because there's something so big that we've been praying for for years that we forget the other work that is so obvious. So ask those closest around you. So pray looking backwards, saying thank you because of God's answered prayer. But I know in this room right now, there will be people for whom they say, Tim, there's something so huge that I can't say thank you at the moment. It doesn't feel good. I don't want it, Lord. So how can I say thank you to that? Thank you to God for that. Well, I think Paul might suggest us that we need to pray with our eyes looking even further back. Because even if our circumstances right now aren't what we long for, even if there are things we've prayed for for decades, we can look even further back to know that God is in the business of looking after you. How? Would you notice how Paul goes on? Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. There's something so good way back where Jesus himself gave his life for you that at that moment, when you look back to that, you can say thank you. God, even though there's circumstances now that I don't get, I know that you're for me. I know that you love me and therefore I have to trust you've got me even now. Thank you. Thank you. So we can be thankful for answered prayer, thankful for the cross. And I guess some of us have never really understood quite how much God has done for us when Jesus died for us. And this morning, there'll be an opportunity for you, if that's you, to say, God, I've got so many questions, but yeah, I accept it. Thank you. But there is a third dimension to eyes looking back, which I think is worth clocking. Because of the cross, we can be thankful that Jesus is the rescuer not the way we pray. Let me explain to you. When I was at university, I had a flatmate who had bought into a particular view of God that if he just prayed in a certain way, God would answer all of those prayers and give them what he wanted. If I just prayed in a certain technique, healing would come, all would be well. His girlfriend's sister was seriously ill and was dying. So much so that when I said, how can I pray for the situation? They said, please don't pray for the situation. Pray for us that we would know what to pray because they didn't want me praying the wrong things and somehow cursing the sister. So when she died... 
they not only had the overwhelming grief of losing her sister, they had the overwhelming guilt that it was their fault. That they hadn't prayed in the right way using the right words. And therefore they've got grief and overwhelming burden of guilt. And I want to say, if that is you, If you have prayed in your past and something didn't happen or something did happen and you somehow have lived with guilt for that for years, can I say that is not the good news of Jesus? Jesus is the rescuer, not the way you pray. Be free from it, friends. And so if there's stuff that you've grappled with and because you didn't have enough of this or or you're not quite sure and if you'd have just conjured up a little bit more energy to pray and therefore the person would have got better or wouldn't have done that to you or whatever it might be, be free. That is not the good news of Jesus, friends. Jesus is the rescuer, not the way you pray. And can I encourage you that I know a few people came up to me and emailed after this talk at Mosley with an overwhelming sense of years-long burden lifted and it may be that today there are some who want to say thank you God free prayer is good news and looking to the cross reminds us that it's not about how impressive we are at prayer so pray with your eyes looking back friends so pray with your eyes fixed set pray with your eyes open to what God's doing pray with your eyes looking back but finally And as I close, pray with your eyes looking around. Do you notice how Paul goes on? And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And therefore be wise in the way you act towards that side as making the most of every opportunity. I was challenged a long while ago about the way I was praying and how much it was about me and my secret wish list. It may not have been, Lord, I want a Ferrari. Sometimes it might. (laughs) But you know the sort of things, it's all about me. Whereas actually look at the way Paul asks for prayer. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message for which I'm in chains. Paul is in prison writing this. Paul does not pray Do not ask, please pray that I'll be released from prison. He says, please pray that even in prison, I might speak faithfully of Jesus. In other words, he prays with his eyes looking around for the opportunity, even where he is, even in the circumstances that he's got going on that are far from ideal. There are opportunities to speak of Christ. And he asks for prayer for an open door. What a great thing to pray for. Maybe this week we want to say, Lord, would there be an open door for that friend, for that neighbor, for that colleague to just bless them? But also, do you notice he asks for prayer for himself so that he might speak words of Jesus? That's our heartbeat. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, Paul would say the same He's good news. You want to get to know him for your life. But as I close, do you notice something really obvious? Paul asks for prayer for himself. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response. The band are going to lead us as we sing, as we often do. And there is an opportunity for prayer. 
But I know most of us have got stuff we'd love prayer for. But most of us think it's either not important enough to come forward because it's got to be the big heavy stuff. Or we're slightly embarrassed that we come forward because it shows that I need prayer. Paul asks for prayer. Paul needs prayer. So therefore, we all do. Let's just own that and say, yep, we all need it. (laughs) And so therefore, as in a moment, we come and we respond and there's an opportunity for prayer. Just come forwards. Go to the back. Some would love to pray for you. It's nothing freaky. Not necessarily long, intense. So what we're going to do is I'm going to be over here and the prayer team are going to be at the back there. And as we worship, there's an opportunity for you to come and say, let's just pray. For some of us, it might be you've got loads of questions about Jesus, but you know today you want to take that step to say, I want to be thankful. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done for the first time. For others of us, it's we want to to more integrated in our prayer life, to be disciplined in it, whatever that might look like. And for others of us, we know today something has lifted because God has finally set us free from feeling that it's all about us and that overwhelming burden. And today, Jesus says, just come, be free. And so as we respond, you may want to come forwards or get to the back. Someone would love to pray with you.